Oh, is this the pre-benter? <laughs> Are we doing this? Oh, okay. I'm just not recording the pre-benter. Okay, go, 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 go again. Sorry, sorry, my friend. Sorry, my friend. <laughs> do it, do it. We've only been doing this for two seasons. <laughs> This is amazing. Today is the last episode of season two, Neva. How are you feeling? I'm so, I'm so excited because we have Matt Chisholm. What do you think of when you hear that name, Matt Chisholm? Come on now. So when I think about Matt, I think of this incredible personality who's been on a lot of incredible shows. But what I also admire about Matt is he's never shied away from big subject matter that we need to be talking about and normalising it every day. That's right. I mean, this is, we're talking about mental health. He's a motivational speaker, so many TV programs, a storyteller. And I just can't wait to get into some of these really meaty subjects and get to know him because I hear too that he has this amazing personality and um, he's quite hilarious. He's got he's quite funny. He's got a bit of a sense of humour. You yeah. see that across on TV, especially at Celebrity Treasure Island. I love people with that sense of humour. Absolutely. And more so for Matt, I think what people love about him most is he's shared his own journey and his stories and oh. people can relate. His ups and downs, exactly. Roller coaster ride on life. Oh my gosh, moments away. Let's go, go, go. Let's go. Talo for love, kia I'm Beatrice Fawina. And I'm Neva Reti Manu. And welcome to Straight Up, the podcast where we have straight up chats with well-known New Zealanders about the real stuff of life. We talk about personal challenges they've faced and how they have found the resilience to get through. Neva, who is our guest today? Our guest today first appeared on TV 15 years ago when he was just a journalism student. He then went on to report for many of our biggest current affairs shows on TVNZ1 from Close Up through to Sunday. He is a TV host, motivational speaker and author of his book Imposter on booze, crippling self-doubt and coming out the other side. He is also a keen advocate, I love this, for normalising the discussion around mental health for men and is the true embodiment of what Straight Up stands for. So we are so proud to welcome Matt Chisholm. Yay! Oh, kia ora. How are you, Matt? Uh, good, thank you. All the better for hearing that introduction. Um, that made me sound a whole lot better than I am. So thank you for having me on. Uh, lovely to hear your voices, actually. <laughs> and to see you, um, the classic radio voice, Neva. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of both of you, so it's, so it's kind of neat to, to have a, have a uh, catch up. Yeah. Thank hey, you. Oh, no, thank you, Matt. And uh, hey, look, just some exciting news for you. Oddly, you are our token straight white man for season two. And all of a sudden now, <laughs> it feels that you've become part of the minority, Matt. I'm so sorry. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I'm the token white yes. male. Yes, for season, for season two. two straight season two of yep. the podcast. Yes, yeah. this is so true. We've uh, had Māori, we've had Samoan, gay, whawhawhinge, uh, and you, my friend, you. And yourself. Well, far out. Yeah, no, well, uh, as, a, as, a, as a token white male man who's often hated in uh, 2022, it's it's lovely to be part of this and um, to fly the flag for, for um, that part of the community. Oh, so good. Hey, look, Matt, um, just thinking too of you being there in central Otago, I'm actually from Southland, from Invercargill, born and bred. I don't know whether you... you, Are you you, Yes. So, you know, we're practically siblings. Yes, I think we've got that connection. Because when you come from this far down south, we are all related, aren't we? My wife's actually um, a Southlander, 
And so, um, she? you two will definitely be related. Oh, yes. My wife's from Chicago. Yeah, you probably got right. the same dad, have you? <laughs> probably. I was going to say, what street does she live in? Because we all know the same streets, <laughs> don't we? But um, I Matt, look, you're beaming in today to us from Otago. You grew up there before moving to the big smoke. Now you've taken your family back there. What's it like living in that part of the country now compared with, you know, when you were a child? Uh, hard to say, really. Um, I can't remember a whole lot from being a child, but uh, I'd like to think I'm an adult now. Uh, I make that look difficult uh, from time to time. But I live in central Otago now. I was brought up on the coast and coming back to Otago has been fantastic. And I love central Otago. I'm looking out on these um, what I call Graham Sydney-like hills, um, you know, uh, and and it's where I want to be. It's where I feel comfortable. It's where I feel at home. Um, but it's not People, you know, I remember leaving the newsroom three years ago and some of my um, former colleagues said, oh, mate, how do you think you'll go moving back to Central, to Otago and a lot of rednecks down there? It's not like that. Um, I've just been into town to drop my couple of youngest kids off at daycare and called into the coffee shop to pick up a coffee and um, met some event planners and the stock agent and just ran into a whole lot of different people Um there's a really eclectic mix of people down here, and I think people make the place. Um, and so I'm quite at home here. I, was, I keep thinking, geez, I need to have a party to get all these really cool eclectic people together because um, A, parties are a good time, aren't they? And um, I, so I know a whole lot of people from different walks of life, and they all need to come together and have a good shindig. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so Matt, being the youngest of four brothers growing up in the community many years ago and what it is like now, the version that probably all of us think of when we think of the Southern male is this person who's grown up in this incredibly masculine energy. It's quite strong. We don't talk. And now it's different. Do you think what was placed back then has impacted on where you are now or you actually saw you see yourself as going, you know, it's time for change? Uh, yeah, shucks. Um, yeah, I was <laughs> the New Zealand that I was brought up in, and South Otago, North Otago, seventies and eighties is, I think, very different to um, the the culture, the society that I'm bringing my children up in. And um, thank Christ for that is all I can say. Uh, I think back in the day, we thought, rightly or wrongly, that there was only one. There was only uh, one type of boy that we could be, one type of man that we could become. And and that's cool for a lot of people, but it, um, looking back, it probably wasn't – Jesus, it doesn't take long for me to get emotional nowadays. probably wasn't ideal for me. Like, I, I, I embraced it. I got into it. I played my footy. I loved my farming. I did all of those things, but uh, also a bit of a sensitive guy and concealed that for a long time. And um, – it wasn't until I'd got a bit older and a bit longer on the tooth that I thought, actually, no, I don't want to drink booze three nights a week um, and drive myself into the ground that way. Uh, you know, this working really, really hard uh, all day, every day doesn't really suit me and there's not really much of a future in it. It's not really sustainable. Um, so has this part of the world changed? I think it has changed and it's needed to change. And you could argue um, it has some more change to do. 
and and maybe I do feel as though I need to be a part of that. Uh, you know, like I have a very very small voice, I guess, uh, in this world, and and I can use it to um, I don't know sell Reebok shoes on or something similar on Instagram, or I can help people be better people, and and I choose the the latter. Matt, that's what we love about you because you are so open and honest about your mental health and struggles now. How did you navigate that when you were younger? Um, oh, anxiety and depression. Well, it's a, it's a, it's, it was a circle, right? So you get anxious um, to deal with that. You drink a lot of loudmouth soup. You rip into the booze with youthful enthusiasm. That creates more anxiety and that can lead to depression. And that's the cycle that I was in. And so that's how I dealt with those things. Um, you know, it was, it, it just made things worse for me. Uh, how do I deal with it now? Um, well, I'm off the booze, have been for nearly 12 years. So that's a big help for me. But look, uh, I'm far from cured. I just had to run my two kids, as I said, into daycare before. I did, we had to change over the car seat. Uh, the car seat had been taken out. We had to put the car seat back in. And, um, you know, that ended up in me uh, saying some pretty uh, harsh things to myself, you know, sort of psych, you know, <laughs> turning into a bit of a psycho, as my wife would put it. And um, so, you know, I, I have daily challenges like everybody else. Um, no one's immune to these things. Um, and I still struggle. I've, I've had a couple of tough months, um, lost a job or two, uh, been a tough winter, a tough spring, lost livestock here on my massive farming operation that I'm running. Um, and I still have really negative conversations with myself. Uh, how do I navigate those things now? Um, I just try and catch myself in the zone that I'm in. Okay, I'm telling myself really bad things. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a useless prick. Uh, stop, do your breathing. Um, catch those negative thoughts, those negative conversations that I'm having with myself. Try and try and tell myself that I am a good person, that I'm doing the right thing, I'm on the right track. Um, maybe I need to go for a run tonight. Uh, let's do that. Catch up with those people that I run into in the coffee shop and spend time with them. Um, start feeling good about myself, all those kind of things. I can't even remember what the question was, but um, <laughs> I'm just rabbiting on now, No, ladies. you're doing I'm well. Sorry. You're doing well. No, we, we, well, this is what we love about you, Matt, and, and what I really appreciate is we talk about our moments that have defined or have closed an opportunity that we thought was ours. And so when you sit there and you're talking through life changes, things that's happening every day, it's really good to actually hear that you have got some areas where you've got some red flags, but you've acknowledged it. There are so many people out there that don't. And that's mm. what what I've loved even in these previous answers in the short moment of time with you, Matt, there's a willingness to want to see change, but also help other people along the way. So this is what I've loved about this, even in the short moment of time with you, Matt, because you could have just closed the door, but I loved it yeah. how you owned that space. Well, look, I know this is going to sound like the right thing to say, but it's not just – I'm a very weird person, right? So I know that it, it sounds like the right thing to say, but it's not – I'm doing this and saying these things not because it's the right thing, but because – to say, but it's also the right thing to do. So I've got to the stage in my life where I think, right, I, I've become very, very honest and very, very open, and that is – 
quite frankly, that has cost me, right? That has cost me work opportunities. It is, um, you know, like it's cost me the odd relationship. But this is what I think. You get to a stage in life, and you'll know this um, probably because where you're at, and you think, right, uh, do I be open and honest about this? And I think, yes, I will. And that is because it'll help more people. Like it is this, it is the right thing to do because even though it might cost me and it might set me back, and I'm learning that as I go, but it'll help more people than um, it'll negatively affect me, right? So, you know, I don't know how many heartbeats I've got left. I'm very open about that. So I think, right, sure, I might get in the shit by saying this, but a whole lot of people are going to be helped by that and helping other people helps me. Every day I'll get people messaging me saying, I've read your book or, and this isn't a plug for the book, uh, but I heard you talk in um, Mangatanoka the other day and I hope I pronounced that correctly and um, you're helping me and I've gone and got some help. And so that is what keeps me going, you know. Matt, you've hit the nail on, on the head right here, right now, because this is what this podcast is about. And Beatrice and I, we talk about our struggles. Right. I'm open about my mental health journey. And I have to say this, and I'm going to get very emotional, but I hope I don't cry. But um, we share a same That's friend a and Greg Boyd. Oh, wow, and yeah. He talked, I know, like, Greg, um, for the listeners who are just tuning in and don't know the TVNZ TV presenter who battled and um, depression and died over four years ago now. Um, and Matt was a very close friend. I was a good friend of his. And I think after that incident, I thought his death cannot be in vain. And and I'm going to cry. And I... I'm very surprised that I've never met you before because when Greg was alive, he said, oh, my gosh, Neve, you really have to meet my friend Matt Chisholm because he's like us. And it was the sense of humour and we you know, and just, and I said, yeah, my gosh. And then not long after his death and uh, a lot of his friends had come out and I saw your book and what you were doing and I was doing exactly the same thing. And it was because of Greg that prompted me to come out and say things more and seeing you, well, no, I know people can't see you, but just on Zoom and just what you've said and it's about the truth, something that mm. can be sound so simple but yet be so hard. And if you were there, which, yeah, I'm exactly the same and I've probably pissed people off and whether that's experience and as we get older, I think, you know what, I don't care as well, you know, that's life. And as long as I'm looking after myself and helping other people. Yeah. Firstly, Never, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you lost a dear friend and, and Greg. Um, firstly, beautiful man and a man who probably didn't know uh, how much joy he brought to the world. As a lot of people um, who battle their demons don't, you know. And um, I think about Greg a lot and I think about the responsibility that that. I now have, and and you probably feel the same way that we have a responsibility now to to um, own a lot of this stuff, and and you know we don't want his death to be in vain, as you said, as you so beautifully said. Um, yeah, hell, uh, and and that's the thing about this stuff, and I, you know I really feel like we have a responsibility. Um, 
because people might look at our uh, lives on television or or on radio and hear our voices and think far out that person. You know, I, I made a living out of being um, a very a very uh, open, you know, happy sort of a guy on the telly. But but I was fibbing to people in a way because I was you know jack the lad on telly and then would go home and, and bloody. Um, sort of, you know, from time to time, cry myself off to sleep or, or whatever it is. And so we have a responsibility um, in the roles that we have, uh, public roles that we have to to own this stuff and, and let others know that no one's immune and everybody's got stuff going on. And we always will, especially right now. It is a tough time to be alive. It costs a couple of hundred bucks to fill up your car. Um, a piece of blue cod costs 15 bucks. Stayed in a pretty rubbish hotel in Wellington that would have cost $120 three years ago, $320 just the other day. So people are doing it tough. doesn't matter whether you've owned a $20 million asset in a farm or whether you you, you rent a house for 500 bucks a week in Wainui Amata. People are struggling. Whatever we can do to help people get through each day needs to be done. And um, so we keep doing it, right? One of the scariest things you can hear as a parent is quiet. But if you do get a little quiet time, have a listen to The Parenting Hangover. It's not scary at all. If I bump into a couple and they have a boy and they have a girl, and I'm like, oh, boy, girl, snip. You've got a boy. You've got a girl. Get the snip. You're done. You get to figure out what it's like raising a girl. You get to figure out what it's like raising a boy. Save yourself a ton of stress and money. You've got your perfect little family. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Matt, one of the things that I love about, you know, following you on socials is while this is always going on, there's the family behind the scenes. There's your dear wife, there's your children, and then there's mum down the road for those chats. Who else in your circle do you confide in that say, hey, we love you dearly, Matt, but, you know, I think something's going on. How did they recognise it for you? Yeah, so I guess lately uh, I've, I've probably reminded people or I've been reminded uh, that that I'm still alive and kicking, you know. I've sort of been in the papers and and, and whatnot lately um, because of my very public axing from Celebrity Treasure Island. So when uh, you become a bit of an advocate, and I don't necessarily want to become an advocate, but I've become an advocate for men's mental health and depression. Um, a whole lot of people start reaching back out to me, which has been really really lovely. People who I've checked in on have been checking in on me, and it just kind of reminds me that. You know, um, people are out there, people care, um, and, and I'm not such a bad person after all, even though I tell myself that from time to time. Um, I have kindred spirits, if you like, uh, in this new community I've moved into. People have got in touch with me and said, hey, look, uh, read your book. Uh, we're probably very similar uh, roosters. Um, should we have a coffee? You know, I'm from one straight white man to another, Um can we catch up? And I've t- taken the time to catch up with one or two of those people and now um, we'll catch up regularly for coffees and just check in, you know, old mate said, uh, read, read an article online, uh, do you need a coffee catch up? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, mate, but I'm running around like a blue-ass fly. But then I just need to take the time to catch up with those people and um, kick things around a bit, get a few things off the chest. They do, they do the same and I come away thinking far out. 
that was really, really good. I'm glad I made the time to do that. And I probably need to have one of those catch up soon, you know. <laughs> but um, it's all, it's all, uh, what is it? It's all part of, of living in a, in, a, in, a, in a world, a social world. So, mm. you know, I help people, people help me back in return, karma, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's nice and, you know, like even though we live in a very masculine part of the world, you could argue, and, and a lot, whole lot of blokes, blokes who played their footy and drunk their beer and done all those things, um, a lot of these people get it now too, you know. I had a, um, an old mate, uh, a farmer, um, just been in touch with me recently and, and um, you know, he battles and I battle and we, we, we have a bit of a laugh. Uh, and um, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Just reminds me that people care and, and you know, we're not alone. And, and that can be the thing when you get stuck in your own head and you're only having those conversations with yourself that are often negative, you feel like you're the only person going through these things. So sharing is caring. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Let's just go back because, you know, you've often spoken or you have spoken about feeling imposter syndrome, you know, in those earlier years of your job. I mean, where did that stem from? Uh, I don't know. It's a great question. I don't really know where it stems from. It's probably, um, it, it could be just sort of, maybe I'm a little bit, if I can be accused of anything, you know, a little bit too self-absorbed or I, I might be too aware. I think about my place or my place in the world too much and I think, oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm living in this small farming forestry town but I'm, I, I think bigger picture, I don't really fit in here or maybe it's captaining the first 15 but I'm thinking, you know, there's more to life than this game of football uh, this game of rugby, um, you know, so I'm always university of, at Lincoln University, a very farming, pragmatic place, and I'm doing some bloody social science degree. It's, it's, it's a feeling that, that probably comes from within that I've always um, just not quite fit in. But, but that you've got to flip that too and say, well, that's my strength. You know, I can go into any situation and, and, and fit in. It's weird. Like I tell myself that I don't quite fit in, but but I, I'm a bloody, um, it's almost like I'm a professional at going into places that I'm not quite fitting in, but fitting in, if that makes sense. So I've always felt like I've had this imposter syndrome. You know, I've, I've written a book um, about to write another one, but never really read many, if that makes sense. I've always felt like a bit of an imposter, you know, going and hosting a TV show. Shit, I'm hosting this big budget TV show, but... Jesus, I, you know, I don't make much sense when I talk, uh, you know, didn't pass school suit English, all those sort of things. You just get these negative voices in your head, so you feel like an imposter. And I think uh, our lovely dear mate Greg Boyd felt a little bit similar, you know, country kids in a newsroom where people are flashed, they're well-educated, they're well-traveled, they're, they're well-cultured, and, um, you know, you can feel like a bit of an imposter at times. But, look, I think the more we kick this stuff around and the more we talk to people, a lot of people have this imposter syndrome going on. You might have it right now asking a journalist to ask questions for a living questions. I don't know. Do you? Oh, yeah. I have imposter syndrome all the time. English is, English is my second language. <laughs> what am I doing as a newsreader? <laughs> I might have to do, read the news in Samoan tomorrow, Matt. <laughs> Moving to your live in central Otago and your friend do in Milton. It, <laughs> I'd, I'd love it. I'd love it. Shit, yeah, how was it growing up in, in, in Southland? In Southland of Bicargo. Yeah. Wow. That, that's right. I was an imposter right then and there. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it was interesting. But but I'm so pleased because it was the freezing works. So that's why my parents, both Samoan, moved down to Invercargill because of the freezing works. And I'm so pleased that they did now because I had such a great childhood, you know, I think for me in a smaller town as opposed to if I was, you know, if I was in Auckland. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really pleased that we were in a smaller smaller town, and um, you know you got to run around in the big paddocks and things like that. You could like that. probably, I'm sure, you do a great job of relating to everybody. Do you? Can you relate to everyone? Yes, yes. That's why I'm so popular. <laughs> That's why I'm so popular, Matt. That's why you and yeah, I yeah, get yeah. on. You know, I like yeah. you can talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of that is because you're brought up in Southland, yeah. uh, what you call a small town. Um, and you've got to get on with everybody. Otherwise, everyone thinks you're a snob or a wanker. That's and right. um, there's not enough flash people to. And I did roll know, my R's. I did roll my one. R's. And then when I went to voice training, when I went to voice, um, you know, school and that, they were trying to, you know, get rid of those R's, you know, that Southland, yeah, you know, Southland's 4ZA and they are. And so I thought, but this is me. I'm from Southland and I'm Samoan. <laughs> Imposter again. Wow. How precious you are. A Samoan from Southland. I love it. Hey, Matt, so one of the other things that we've that I've really admired and enjoyed about your career is you've never shied away from subject matter that has big impacts. So, you know, how we all first heard about you was, you know, this wonderful story about your journey with your brother, and then there was the, the story about conversion therapy in New Zealand. And this had been regularly viewed. It opened the door for the conversation. And, you know, understanding that impact is one thing and what it feels like, but for you, could you resonate at all with the impact of people talking to you about it, going, oh, you know, I'm for it, I'm against it. Or, Matt, I learned a lot. What was happening for you? Uh, um hard for me to go back. I just, you know, you don't, if you care, and, and most of us do, you don't want to see anyone struggling, do you? You don't want to see anybody unable to be themselves or trying to be themselves and they're getting the shit kicked out of them uh, and told they can't be themselves and that go, goes against God's wishes or whatever. Imagine the position you're in if um, you have these homosexual feelings or tendencies and um, but you believe in God and your God is or your church is telling you that you can't be like that you can't love that person because that person is the same sex as you. And so imagine how conflicted and torn you are living in that world. And and I don't understand that way of thinking because I'm not in that head, but I know what it's like to be torn. And so, I, I, you know, you feel for those people and you don't want that stuff to be happening. And so I realized if it was happening in New Zealand, it was quite a big story. And um, and it was, and it wasn't hard to find people who had been through that gay conversion therapy in various churches around New Zealand. And we found half a dozen people quite easily, half a dozen organisations that were doing that gay conversion therapy. Um, and I'm so pleased that we were able to tell that story and also that from telling that story that there's been change. There's been a law changed, which is banned gay conversion therapy in this country. And, you know, I haven't done a lot of amazing work, but um, I'm proud of doing that work. And I think a story like that can almost be more powerful when you have someone like me who's, um, you know, from the sticks 
uh, you know, back then people probably saw me as a bloody Jack the Lad, you know, um, former rugby playing, beer drinking um, lad. So when you tell a story like that, um, you kind of, you can sometimes take more people with you, you know, more of that um, middle New Zealand with you. So because people might think, gee, that's, he's that Matt Chisholm guy. He's telling this story. Oh, that's interesting. Jeez, this is, this is a big deal. Um, and, you know, I'm proud of some of that work. That, that I've done, and, and um, I still think uh, there's more work like that to do. I'm just not sure, uh, you know, <laughs> what channel I'm going to put it on. I was or just going whether to say, yeah, do you, do you miss that thing. side, you know, that current affairs side I, of your I, career? I absolutely do. I really do. I really do miss that stuff. If I'm good at anything, it's sitting down with people for an hour or two hours and really getting to the bottom of something. Uh, it's not just asking a question. It's... It's people sense I can't hide who I am. You've discovered that in the last 30 minutes, right? Um, so so people, I think, when I'm interviewing them, they really get that I'm there. I'm really present. I'm really caring and trying to get to the bottom of something. And, um, and I do miss that. I, every week uh, I'm made aware of something that's happening. I'm like that's a great story. I need to tell that story. How do I tell that story? Where can I find a home for that story? Um, because I know I'm no longer working on Sunday. Uh, I'm no longer telling current affairs stories for television New Zealand. Um, and part of that is just sort of getting out of the news cycle and, and having a bit of a spell, which I needed to do. Um, but, but I feel like that's my strength and, and uh, I need to go back and do some more of that. You know, just in this short period of time, uh, I just think, Matt, you've created community groups. You've opened conversation. People are taking the narrative here and actually being able to speak about this freely every day. So while you have done this, what is next for you? What do you think is the next move? Oh, yeah, great question. Look, you know, I haven't led this conversation. Um, people like Sir John Kerwin have helped me um, help others if you like, you know, they were at the forefront of this in New Zealand, JK and you could say Mike King as well. And, and, um, you know, they give, they've given me permission to, to, to speak honestly about what happens inside my head. And then I'm trying to just give other people permission and, and together we all, uh, have a slightly different audience and, and together we can all sort of change a culture, which probably needs to be changed, right? Uh, because of the terrible um, statistics that we have in this country. What's next for me? Hell, I don't even know what that looks like, but it's using the the, the very small platform I have and and my strength. Um, It isn't probably growing sheep and uh, cattle as much as I love it. Uh, I'm going to keep doing that because it's good for me, but my strength is communicating with people uh, while not eloquent and a wordsmith. Uh, I'm a communicator, and so it's it's using my strengths and the, the small platform I have to to keep trying to do some good in this world to make it a slightly better place before I um stop breathing. So whether that's more work with the Rural Support Trust uh, and and talking, having conversations around rural New Zealand, whether that's um, doing some more work with Movember, who funded that man enough or like a man um, documentary, two part documentary. Um, whether it's doing some more journalism and finding a home for that journalism, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think this is a tough industry to be in in New Zealand because New Zealand's so small and the global world has sort of killed or is killing off our media industry. So I think 
well, you've got to flip that and and um, go global. So, you know, but jeepers, that's who am I to think that I'm enough to, to, to have an audience, a global audience, but that's the way we've got to think. And so, um, you know, uh, I'm a little bit worried. I think the biggest story uh, of our time at the moment is mm. food production and, and um, what that looks like. So do we tell that story and, and do we tell it globally? Um, you know, just going back to, as you said, you are a great communicator mm. and what you're doing and touring the country. I mean, what has it been like meeting the people around New Zealand struggling with their mental health and, and the things that you've learned about the people and the culture, everything through those conversations when you're out and about? Yeah, what have I learned? I've learned that people really are struggling, uh, especially right now, that people feel like they're on a treadmill. We have more and more automation. Um, we have so many new tools that should make uh, living and working a whole lot easier. But but some of these things we've developed actually aren't that smart. We're talking on a smartphone. I'm, people get in touch with me uh, on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night at two o'clock in the morning. Um, so just that technology makes living harder because we're working all the time. Whether we check our phone, uh, we wake up and we look at our phone or whatever it is, um, we're always working now. And so... Some of that technology isn't great, and and people are telling me that they're burnt out and that they're struggling and they can't get off the treadmill. How we kind of change that? Like a lot of the mental health people are having mental health problems, right? And we need to fix the things that are causing a lot of that a lot of that anxiety and that depression. Whether that's providing homes that people can afford to live in, or providing work environments that aren't causing people to drive into the ground. We fix those things, then we, we take a lot of pressure off the mental health system. Um, for me, I just needed to go and get a bit of balance back, right? I get a bit of balance back. And generally, I'm a lot happier having my moments because that'll that's just me and I'll, that'll continue to happen. But people are telling me that they're really struggling and you know, farmers have got all this red tape. I'm typically talking to rural communities, and and the, uh, with it, no matter what side of the um, the political landscape you're on, uh, a lot of farmers feel like they're under attack right now, and a lot of rural people feel like they're under attack right now. Then, you know, and so how do we change that? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. You, you might vote a particular way and next year. I'm not sure. I'm not telling people to do that necessarily. But I feel for these communities and I feel for people who produce our food. Uh, you know, at least uh, I, I was talking to Nadi Lim's husband, Carlos Bagri, the other day, and he's like, food, mm. um, you know, food producers are, um, you know, being attacked or vilified or whatever it is, um, or they certainly feel as though they are, if that's not the case. And Carlos Bagri said the other day in an interview with me, he said, mate, this food thing, it's not a nice to have. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a must have. But whereas the rest of us are flying around the world, who's going to get in the plane in a couple of weeks and fly to Hawaii for Christmas or whatever? You know, we do it all the time. Do I need to fly around the country telling my story or should we just do it on Zoom like we're doing right now, ladies? Yes, that's right. Hey, Matt, one of the things about your career is people probably don't know this at all. How did you end up becoming a TV host? Well, I was just very, very lucky, actually. Very, very lucky in that I was at journalism school and I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a, um, uh, tell stories on the telly. And um, uh, TVNZ 2020 
program, some producers on that program, became aware of my brother Nick, who lives in Dunedin with Lockman syndrome, uh, had a massive brainstem strike playing rugby, fully alert, cognitive, but trapped inside this paralyzed body. And they became aware of him and they rang me. At, I was at journalism school in Wellington. They're like, um, we've heard about your brother Nick, um, good TV story. And I'm like, well, he can't talk. But he's still a phenomenal talent, you know. He's, he, you know, he can't talk, but he communicates really well without saying anything. Um, and so we filmed the yarn, and um, Nick was brilliant for a guy that can't talk, and, and I was okay. And then uh, Mike Valentine, the the producer of um, Close Up, got saw these tapes of the, the, the raw tapes, the material that didn't go to telly for some reason, saw some potential. Got in touch with me and said, "Hey, um, if you want to come up here and do some work experience for Close Up?" And I'm like. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, you know, was someone filming this because it sounds like you're taking the piss. Thought one of my mates was probably having a laugh. And my journalism lecturers at the time were like, oh, mate, you shouldn't do that. You should go off to the, you know, war at the time's age or go and get some work experience with an outfit that you're more than likely to get a job with. Like you're not going to end up on the telly straight away sort of thing. But did the work experience two or three months later, uh, a job came up on Closer and that was my first job out of journalism school, my first real job as a journalist. It takes all sorts to um, tell stories, right? And we have to go in there and get the trust and build rapport with a whole raft of different people. Mm. And so Valentine, I guess, Mike Valentine recognised something in me. Mm. He, he probably saw a little bit of himself in me, actually. Um, and he thought that I could perhaps go and communicate with the group of people that we might have been struggling to communicate with. And so, um, yeah, um, I owe that man so much. And sometimes it's been bloody hard, even though I've been given this phenomenal opportunity, sometimes it's been bloody hard ending up in that media landscape. But I think it is the right place for me. And, yeah, and, and you know, he's he's discovered other people who have gone on to do, you know, great things as well. So I'm forever indebted to that man and... Um, He's arguably um, brought a little bit of um, joy to people's lives by um, putting me on the telly. Matt, what was the, that process like um, to host Survivor and, and later celebrity Treasure Island? I mean, how did you find it becoming even more of a public figure than you already were? Uh, I, I didn't mind becoming a public figure. Uh, there's, you know, most of the work I've done, people seem to have enjoyed. So I haven't been, you know, torn a new backside um, generally by the public for doing that work. So it's often quite nice. People see me as being quite approachable and, and genuine, so they they often have a yarn with me, you know, when they recognise me. Sometimes it's not ideal when I'm out having dinner with my wife and um, she wants a bit of you know, quality time and someone wants to find out, you know, where I stay, what sort of accommodation I'm in when I'm hosting those shows. But Initially, it was you know that whole imposter syndrome thing creeps in. Am I good enough to do this this work? I haven't you know played sport for my country like Mark Richardson and Mark Ellis and these other you know TV hosts. Um, am I up to the job? All that kind of thing. And and I actually found it quite lonely because uh, initially I hosted by myself uh, in Survivor and and um, I wasn't really part of the crew. wasn't a contestant and I wasn't really allowed to mix with the contestants and as a reporter as a journalist uh, that's a big part of the job mixing in with the talent and and getting to know them so I found it quite lonely and and, and sort of stuck inside my head and I never really liked learning lines which I had to do a lot of walking around my hotel room learning lines geez I find that really really hard that's hard yakka 
but I've I've had to do that. And 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 initially hosting Survivor, hosting those reality shows, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. But I taught myself to enjoy it. I taught myself to think you deserve to be here. You're good at this. Uh, just look up at the sun beaming down across those um, trees and just tell myself this is an amazing opportunity. You're meeting some great people and just run with it. Uh, you don't have to be perfect. You're allowed to make mistakes. You're not a robot. Uh, you can, you know, you own it. Just own it and enjoy it. Exactly. And Matt, I'm going to miss you on Celebrity Treasure Island. I was quite, actually, I was quite sad and disappointed to hear that you were no longer a part of the show um, because it was some, you know, it wasn't just the contestants for me. It was also yourself and your fellow host. You really made that show. And it was just, I think it was really lovely that you were able to post your reasoning the way you saw what was happening versus what I think would have been a generic message. So from all of us here, Matt, I, I found a lot of strength in your honesty, but boy, am I going to miss you on that show along with the fellow contestants and I hope you 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 feel that but I also met you you were amazing you really brought it on that show we've seen you in the current affair space but seeing you in that other space even though it presented some challenges you still delivered Matt and that's what's really important for everything that you've gone through and everything that you've expressed with us I was like buddy you really made that show and you made it your own that's you're making me quite emotional here Beatrice um yeah, look, I always worked really, really hard. I never, ever got to a point where I thought, shit, I've been doing this for seven years and I've hosted these shows five times. I'll just, I'll just phone it in, right? I always stayed up really, really late learning my lines. I got up early in the morning and learned my lines. Just that's how I deal with my anxiety. I, I look like a guy who's ne- not never, ever really prepared, but I've always worked really hard to make sure that I'm, I can be confident. If I lose my confidence, you know, I go inside my own head. And I, and I so uh, I work really hard at it. And um, I'm really proud of uh, the performance that I had um, and the performance that I always gave. And, um, and, and I'm really sad that I'm no longer able to host that show. And, and Bree, uh, my co-host, lifelong friend, part of the family, beautiful woman, and um, it's really sad uh, that I'm no longer able to be a part of it. As hard as it was for me and my family, it's not the way that I wanted to bow out of that game. Um, and I probably had another one or two left in me. Uh, but um, when, for whatever reason, uh, you know, the industry uh, or the people in the industry decide that they don't want to go with you again. Um, and there's a, there's a real conversation around that and, and why. And I'm not going to go into that because, um, you know, uh, I want to work in this industry again. <laughs> but um, it has nothing to do with my performance. Um, and I pride myself on my ability to get along with people. Uh, the only thing I will say is that I'm probably uh, uh, too honest uh, at times. And I've been very honest about um, my work and and those work situations, and and that may have um, cost me a job in the end. But mm. as I said before, I'm not going to go and change, and I'm going to be uh, honest. I'll always be an honest stand-up guy, and that'll cost me from time to time. But that's who I am, and that's all I'll always be. Mm. And that's why we're going to miss you, Matt. I know. I feel emotional now. Just. Hearing that last part because Matt, don't go changing. No. You know, I know, you know, as you say, it comes with a price. Um, but I'm just 
quite tearful at the moment, but, mm. you know, your you know, whole to... life, everything you've done, there's a reason and a meaning behind it. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, Matt, one of the things we've learnt with the show uh, and with this podcast is that through all these challenges, and there's no doubt about it, Matt, there is something bigger and brighter for you ahead. There's no doubt about oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I, I didn't watch this season of Celebrity Treasure Island. I couldn't watch it. It was too triggering for me. But, mm. uh, you know, I came away from hosting that show uh, back in February, March, and I thought, you know, I'm just regurgitating a whole lot of lines. I don't give a lot of myself. One thing I did do the other day was read some comments. They say never read the comments, but I read some comments and sort of got quite emotional reading the comments. Um, maybe I did bring a whole lot more to the table than I ever thought I did, you know. Um, and people got the the fact that I was present and cared and and um, gave a lot of myself to it. And that's so that was quite nice to, to to read that and understand that I did bring something to the table and I wasn't just sort of robotic and stilted and and um, you know. Uh, even though I had to deliver a whole lot of lines, I delivered those lines, but there was something a bit more going on there as well. And people picked up on that, and that's really nice. And, and you know, like, um, I've still got time and I've still got a whole lot of energy, so I'll go and put that into something else, hopefully. <laughs> no. Hopefully um, that's not my last uh, race for this old horse. And um, maybe I'll, I might be able to do something a little bit more meaningful without sounding nasty about what I've been doing on that show. Thank you for that, Matt. So if you could go back and tell your 21-year-old self anything, what do you think oh, you'd say? Best question uh, that anyone has ever asked me. I would go back and say, mate, go and talk to someone. Go and get the help you need. You don't have to keep playing these games that you're playing. You don't have to keep drinking, taking drugs, doing the things that everyone else is doing. You don't have to keep uh, trapped in your own head. Life will get a whole lot better when you go and get some help. And that you're okay. That's what I'd tell myself if I could go back. Life's going to get a whole lot better. It's still going to be hard from time to time, but it'll get a whole lot better. That's what I'd tell myself. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Matt, Beatrice and I just overwhelmed and very emotional and that was just such a touching and best way of ending this episode because you do speak your truth and you are such a role model for everyone and I'm just like ah oh. there are so many lessons our listeners uh you know you are just such a, a valued and wonderful person and what you're doing and helping out everyone, not just men, women. I mean, just in this last hour, even though I've never met you physically, I feel like I've known you for years. Absolutely. And there is oh, an, there's an incredible amount of strength uh, there, Matt. 
there's it's it's not momentary it's continuous we we see it we hear it and uh, just want to really acknowledge you for it. We'd, we'd love to give you a hug, but unfortunately we, we can't because hey, we're in two different zones. We're coming down to Queenstown to party. <laughs> Non-alcoholic <laughs> beverages. But but, yeah, thank, seriously, thank you, Matt. Um, much you know, love and respect. It's just been incredible. And, and thank you for the good work that you're doing, uh, allowing people like me to, to have a, a platform to, to speak my truth and to be honest with people. And, and um, you know, like the thing... That I always think, like I don't really, I go and tell my story around Dickie Little Halls around New Zealand. I don't, I don't love doing that. Um, I don't love being away from my family. I don't love regurgitating all this stuff. But, you know, it helps people. And I hear that people off the back of it go to the counsellor and go to the doctor and uh, read the book and they change some things in their lives. And, and um, that's what keeps me keeping on. Yeah. And I, I'm no expert. I still have days where I think, Jesus, this is really hard, you know, and I wish it wasn't here right now to deal with this stuff. Like I can go up and, and present a live TV show in front of a quarter of a million people and, and, and be quite okay with it. But it's the day-to-day, the basics, logging on to Zoom and trying to have this conversation. It's the, it's the, the basic stuff that gets me trying to find the tools to do the job that's doing the basic play job that can trip me up. So, um, Well, we thank you for sharing and being with us and having, you know, this hour with you because, you know, you resonate with, with us, with all of New Zealand, and we thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, I, I can pick up on your authenticity and... Uh, you know, just how genuine you, you are. And, and, and I really, really thank you for, for thanking me. And, and together uh, with your other people you have on the podcast and, and yourselves and your own sharing and vulnerability, together we might make some positive change. So that's really cool. I feel Greg Boyd is in this room, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah, mate, old Greg. Mm. Yeah, shit. Yeah, he could be. You know, he could be. Yeah. He'd be really proud of you too. Oh, thank you. You know, because that's what this has all been about. We've always talked about these moments, but what it always leads to is that we're stronger when we're together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like, this is – I always used to think that I was a real weirdo, and sometimes I still do. But actually, I'm more normal than than I'll ever know in that – most people are going through something or go through something in their lives, right? Some people will go through more than others, you know. Um, So this stuff is all very normal and and especially in today's day and age, I think life is is just getting harder and harder for people and um, more challenging. Absolutely. Oh, look, we could talk for hours, but yeah, we could. We thank yeah. you so much. I mean, yes, lots of um, love to you and your children and your wife and all the animals on the farm. <laughs> your dog. See, you've got a bloody dog. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of time right now, but um, this hour has been really beneficial for me. It's It's yep. been the right thing to do and it's been good for me to do. It's been quite healing. So, um Thank you very much for having me on. Really oh, appreciate it. You. Don't be strangers and um, keep up the great work. Gosh, you know, we've just finished talking to Matt 
And you, your almost feel like there's another hour we could just talk about what we've just discussed. Absolutely. That felt, for me, that felt like the best counselling session I've ever had. Mm. And you know, I've had quite a few <laughs> counselling sessions over the years. Yeah. He is an amazing, extraordinary man. Mm. I love him so much. Yeah. I just think he is full of wisdom. I mean, as everything that's gone through his career in TV, what happened with him, mm. with Survivor, with um, Celebrity Treasure Island, and all his work that he's doing on mental health, mm. he speaks his truth. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But he still carries on. It doesn't deter him from who he is and what the main goal is. Absolutely. But... Also, when you think about Matt and the subject matter that he covers and is wanting to cover for the future, that's what I want to see. I want to see those uh, articles, the stories that he brought together. I want to hear more about some of that stuff we don't talk about every day that we may never have been exposed to because he's continuously educating us, just as he's done in this podcast. The, I sit here and my reflection of Matt is, boy, have we missed out on so much about him because he was delivering in his role. He was constantly preparing for himself, being the professional. And now we actually get to see the Matt behind, the real man behind Matt. And that to me is much bigger than the person that we see in the personality on TV. He's real. He mm. keeps it real. The one key thing that I love about him is that he resonates not just with a certain group. Mm. He resonates with everyone. That's he right. can talk to everyone. And you're right, that is a loss. Mm. That is a loss it is. in terms of that. But I think for our listeners mm. to end season two with with mm. Matt and, and and that episode is just, is, it's I'm blown away. I need a cup of tea and a lie down. Mm. He's really captured everything from all the things that we've had with our guests. It was about never being afraid to asking for help. Always ask questions. Um, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't sound right, have the conviction and strength to ask for help. It's not about being shy at this time. It's about being informed or trying to make an informed decision. We've got loved ones that are around us that see what's happening with us every day. And when you listen to Matt, Matt was all about recognise what's happening. Acknowledge it. It might be awkward. It might be difficult. You know, I think about our very first conversation that we had, you know, even right into when we were talking to Mike McRoberts. Same thing, going through so many changes, same with Chelsea, same with Monica. The themes are there, they are real, we're dealing with it every day. Now how we respond to that is about just asking for help. That's right. But it's also too, these themes, like as you say, if we wrap up everyone, our eight amazing guests, it's okay to accept and be happy. Not having any regrets for past struggles. Taking charge of narratives or pushing for change. And this is one of my favourites, celebrating your identity. Mm. Because we are stronger together. Thanks for listening to this conversation with Matt Chisholm. And a big thanks to all our guests this season. Sonia, Chelsea, Monica, Chris, Linda, Mike and Melody. This has been another season of Straight Up with Neva and Beatrice. Follow on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. And thanks to our producer, Ethan, and our editors at NZME Sound and Vision. We'll catch you in 2023.